I'm here with Brian Latorno, and can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself as a teacher? Like how long you've been teaching, sure. what subject you teach, which level? All right, so this is the just about getting on the end of my 16th year of teaching. Wow, okay. And I've been here at Hanover High School since it opened, so for 14 years. Before that, I started my first two years at Stonewall Jackson Middle School. Oh, yeah. Teaching seventh grade civics. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I transferred here when Hanover opened, and I've been here ever since. For the last five or six years, my schedule's been fairly consistent with primarily 11th grade American history. Um, I've taught AP U.S. history for, again, the last five consecutive years. Mm -hmm. I also have IB history of the Americas. This year, I have both the first and second year, juniors and seniors, but typically, I've, I've always taught the first year. Great. I'm just transitioning over. Someone else will be teaching the second year next year, but we've had some this kind of change in teacher. Okay. So I've had, this year I have AP and two different levels of IB. All right. Um, can you uh, describe your school a little bit for me? Sure. Um, I would say that we are uh, a majority suburban mm -hmm. school, um, central Hanover County, right along the 301 corridor. We have about 1,300 students. That number fluctuates a, a little bit, but we've been pretty consistent right around 1,300 for the last several years. Mm -hmm. We draw from a fair number of established subdivisions, although the, the northern and eastern edges of our zone do draw for some more traditional rural elements. Mm -hmm. And the kind of the, our western edge gets a little bit into Ashland. So the, the demographic mm -hmm. there is a little bit, I would say, I think we're about 92% white. Mm -hmm. um, we are, we have a very small percentage of free and reduced lunch relative to a lot of other high schools mm -hmm. in the metro Richmond area. But I would say really since 2008, when the economy turned, that number has gone up. Uh, and certainly there's more cognizance and awareness of social and economic hardships, I think, in our school community mm -hmm. um, than there was prior to that. We have um, overall really nice kids who, who work hard. I'd say about probably 60 to 70 percent are on a four-year college education track once they leave here, mm -hmm. going to mostly in-state schools just because of the, the quality of, I think, in-state universities that Virginia possesses That's right. relative yeah. to other states. Mm -hmm. uh, and that our parents are generally involved and supportive of both teachers and their children okay. and their academic and extracurricular endeavors. Great. That's, that's great. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about your action research project, and I wanted to establish that context to start uh, where, where your project took place, but um, can you tell me about your project and maybe start with the problem that you identified that your project addresses? Sure. Well, I would say that the last, prior to this school year, the last few years I've focused a lot, both in my classroom and I'm a department chair mm -hmm. as a department, whether on our own or working with English, on, on writing instruction mm -hmm. and trying to provide some uniformity and some conformity um, across all grade levels, but particularly try to help my students become better writers, mm -hmm. um, better historical writers more specifically. And towards the end of last year, we had been, our department had been working with English. We said, you know, what, it would be a good idea if, why don't we try to do this with reading? Because our English colleagues have been saying that their writing numbers had been improving Mm -hmm. But they were starting to see a leveling off and even a slight decrease in their state reading scores. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, I think, you know, it's a, it's a fundamental skill 
But even I was noticing the last couple years of my class that students were struggling a little bit more with a lot of the, the primary source readings that we have mm -hmm. in terms of comprehension and their, their ability, therefore, to analyze those sources for, for meaning and significance. Mm -hmm. And so I, that, that, that all kind of led me to want to more closely examine um, students' reading comprehension in my upper-level history classes. So what, what's the um, sort of the research question that you started with out of that? Well, I started off with, in the first quarter, my first cycle, trying to determine what my students' reading level was mm -hmm. to try to get a baseline. And I found that in doing some of the research, kind of the background research behind how to do that, that ascertaining a high school student's reading level is a little bit more complicated mm -hmm. than, say, my son who's in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. he, is, he is reading at the C level on his own, and instructionally he's in D according to, I forget the name of the scale. Mm -hmm. um, but at the high school, there are, there are a lot more there are a lot more different factors at play, and talking to like our county's um, English lead teacher and some of the reading specialists I know in the county, trying to really pin down a high school student's reading level is, is fairly challenging. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I went to try to find some quantitative and some qualitative data mm -hmm. to try to peg it down as best as I could. Um, and really the only, because I have mostly juniors and in Hanover, we, our students don't take their English and of course reading and writing tests until the end of their junior year. Mm -hmm. The only really baseline number I could find that all my students had was a PSAT reading score. Okay. And so looking at a PSAT mm -hmm. reading score, um, and then, but then also um, asking them, just giving them a, a survey through Google form. Mm -hmm. about some of the challenges that they face when they're reading for history classes in particular. Mm -hmm. And to get some feedback from them about some of their struggles, how they read, and you know, do they read when they get home? Do they mm -hmm. read at 11 p.m. at night or later? Mm -hmm. Are they on their bed? Are they upright? Just, I mean, like, do they struggle with vocabulary? Is it accessibility of the reading? And so just trying to get a hold of what their reading levels were and the challenges that they they individually faced. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was kind of the focus of my first cycle. Mm -hmm. And what did you learn from that? I learned that, uh, I would say that the PSAT information correlated with just the general level of academic performance I was seeing mm -hmm. in class all around. So mm -hmm. you know, my, my students have been doing A-level work in their first quarter, not just on reading, but in writing and all the other skills that we practice, mm -hmm. they had the higher PSAT reading scores versus students who had a lower grade. So that wasn't terribly surprising. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, though, to get to listen to and to, to analyze the qualitative feedback that I was getting from my students about how they read and some of the challenges that they face mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, for several, is some, like just some general vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And some of the, you know, some of the, th the words that were tripping them up on a couple of sources I asked them to talk about were some of the more challenging phrases or terms in the source, but there were others that they identified that I would not have expected juniors in an upper level, you know, college level history class to necessarily struggle with. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a, an eye opener for me mm -hmm. at the beginning of the process. So um, after that first cycle where you were sort of kind of trying to get an understanding of their levels, um, what did that lead to in the project in terms of um, thinking about interventions? So <clears throat> I moved in the second cycle to look at a series of interventions. Mm -hmm. um, and based on some of the research that I did, I really, 
I really was I really was drawn to the work of Chris Tavani, mm -hmm. who is an expert in reading, particularly, and she has authored a lot of not only articles but books about reading in in non English classes, mm. general content classes. Got it. And so, talking to some reading specialists, both in our action research group mm -hmm. and within my county, they she was she often came up as someone to look to in terms of interventions mm -hmm. to use, and so. I instituted a, a wide range of wide range of interventions, mm -hmm. about five, over the course of cycle two, and I you try to use kind of one intervention over the course of like two weeks of class time. Mm -hmm. So that would encompass you know three or four different readings mm -hmm. to get a feel for how student performance, whether the interventions were successful or not, mm -hmm. uh, but also to get feedback from students about which ones they believed were helping them the most, and to try to see if the results on formative assessments I was giving on readings lined up with students' interpretation mm -hmm. of how effective those interventions were. And, and that was really the focus of my cycle too. And what did you see there? I saw there, I definitely saw some improvement in performance mm -hmm. with all the interventions. Mm -hmm. um, there were two that from um, both a qualitative and quantitative standpoint stood out a little bit more than the others, mm -hmm. and that was really um, establishing, the, establishing a clear purpose for the reading mm -hmm. ahead of time, uh, and also using um, what is a, an intervention that Tavani calls uh, revisiting your highlights. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, and it's, it's commonplace in our AP and IB English 11 classes for the students to, to annotate what they are reading. Mm -hmm. But not only just to annotate, but to in class go back and revisit some of the ones they, they highlighted as a basis for um, discussion mm -hmm. and also um, to get them to think a little bit deeper about why they highlighted what they did. So uh, you, were, you were learning, I, I, I like that you were, you were collecting multiple sources of data so you were not just looking at the effectiveness of the intervention but getting the student perspectives on it. And um, how did the student perspectives really kind of um, enrich your knowledge of our understanding of that and how did that lead to future actions? I, the, the one nice thing about asking for the student feedback in the survey, mm -hmm. and I use a, a video capture app called Recap. Mm-hmm, so right, right. So student responses, that could give me greater insight into their thought process. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I see the end result of their work. Mm-hmm. And also in, in class setting in particular, you know, they might be 48 hours removed from doing the reading because mm -hmm. we're on an alternate A-B schedule. Mm -hmm. And more and more. If I assign a reading on a Thursday, they might some do it Thursday night, but then we're not dealing with it in class until Monday. Um, and so, and the recap they would do at home. I would ask them to do it kind of after they had done the reading and use the intervention, so that hopefully that their feedback was fresh and it was it was present, it was on their mind. But it also gave me insight into into their thought processes and how they think and how they're working through challenges and mm -hmm. you know in class. You know, I have, with AP and IB level students, I have a lot of students who are very grade conscious. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the answers I get in class, it's difficult to know if, if that's what they truly feel mm -hmm. or if that's, they think that's what they need to say mm -hmm. versus the very informal, you know, just talking about what you think at home. I mean, certainly I can't, you know, control out everything, but mm -hmm. I feel it's like just the nature of when and how I ask them to give me the feedback was much more informal and natural than, say, in a more structured class discussion with their peers around them, mm -hmm. where that you know they might be influenced by what their peers are saying. Did you did you talk to them about um, 
your research project? I did a little bit, yes. Yeah, and what was their reaction to that? They thought it was kind of neat. Mm -hmm. um, they, some of them were like, so we're gonna be guinea pigs? I'm like, oh, a little bit. Yeah, right. Um, but they were overall positive, especially the ones who were reading at this level as a struggle. Like mm -hmm. they, they, many of them want to know like how they could be better at it. Mm -hmm. And so that we were in, kind of in the process together. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges uh, while you were conducting your study? Um, I, th I think some of the, the major challenges, you know, one was certainly trying to show a definitive cause and effect between application of an intervention and improved mm -hmm. performance. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it, it varies by students. Sometimes a student's background knowledge on a topic of a reading mm -hmm. might lend itself to improved performance. Um, you know, I tried to make sure that the, the readings that we're using were of the same reading level, challenging difficulty mm -hmm. across the board, but you know, there's, not, there's no perfect science for that. And you know, I'm also tied to a curriculum and certain pacing and structure mm -hmm. of units. And so, you know, a reading on Canada that definitely felt like in the second quarter, the students would have much less background knowledge on compared mm -hmm. to the next unit we're getting causes of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And we live in Hanover County. Mm -hmm. And I right. have kids who had battles fought in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, trying to really determine out what is a, what was a direct cause-effect relationship between inter use of intervention and any improved performance was by far the, the, the greatest challenge mm -hmm. that I faced throughout, particularly cycles two and cycle three. Mm -hmm. Do you have solutions to that problem of, of trying to find cause of effect, or do you? What, I mean, what's your level of confidence that you that your interventions were making a difference? Well, in cycle three, I moved to essentially I have I worked with my two IB junior classes, mm -hmm. and so I in cycle two I tried I used the five different interventions mm -hmm. for both classes. In cycle three, what I decided to do was to use the the top two interventions, the identification of purpose mm -hmm. and the revisit and the highlight. I, I made one class kind of my test group. Mm -hmm. and I used those interventions with that class specifically over the course of the entire cycle, mm -hmm. whereas I did not use those interventions as explicitly, particularly the revisit and the highlight in my, with my other junior level class in cycle three, mm -hmm. to try to have a, a, a test group and a, a control group. Right, right. And what I found was you know, we looked at, I think it was five readings, with the exception of one reading, the test group that had the consistent use of interventions scored a little bit higher on formative assessments with the reading than the control group did. Mm -hmm. Which, I think I, po I pointed out when we had our, our last meeting, that my control group is a smaller class, but on unit tests they had tended to outperform the group that received the interventions. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that, one thing I took away from that was that the interventions clearly were having a, a, even a small but positive effect right. on students' ability. Right, right. Understanding that, you know, I, I, that control group of, you know, it was only 12 students, it's fairly small, so, mm -hmm. you know, someone having a bad day can, can throw off mm -hmm. average test scores mm -hmm. more than most, but I, that, that was my solution to try to try to draw a more direct link between mm -hmm. um, the effectiveness of the interventions. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, do you think 
your, what you've learned through the process of doing this project is going to influence your future teaching or, or how you approach your work? I think so, yeah. for sure. You know, as a teacher, we all sometimes make assumptions, and sometimes those assumptions are true, and sometimes they're not. But mm-hmm. I found, particularly doing this action research project, and I'm also in the, the uh, domain five, the data, mm-hmm. where I'm looking at, I was looking at um, student performance on um, the new AP US style multiple choice questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I found there in doing that work as well is that my students sometimes have significant issues comprehending the readings that they have, mm-hmm. that they're expected to read, mm-hmm. whether it's a primary or secondary source. So I you know certainly we're going to be much more purposeful in how I approach you know, teaching reading comprehension, particularly early on in the school year, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like trying to, I've done a lot with writing, but trying to you know, model that more effective practices and interventions earlier on in the school year, mm-hmm. and say take less for granted. Are, do you have any um, plans to, or have you already shared any of what you've learned with other um, folks outside of the action research group? Yes, yeah. and, we read, and we've, um, again, as social department chair this year, our department has worked with English on issues of reading. Mm-hmm. And so we, we meet about every six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, within our, our big groups, we break down into smaller groups based on comp, common teaching assignments. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in a group with the AP government teacher and the IB theory of knowledge teacher and the AP English teacher and the IB English teacher. And so we work as a group and I've, I've definitely sh- I've shared some of my findings Mm-hmm. Um, with them, and they, they helped me early on in the process, particularly uh, the English, my English colleagues trying to help me find effective ways to, to identify student reading levels. Yeah. And so it's been a, a consistent topic of conversation mm-hmm. when, we, when we've met. That's great. That's great. And you've talked to them about your project, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have. Great. Great. Cool. Um, any, any other thoughts about your project? Any kind of last words about... I mean, I found yeah. I found the whole process very interesting mm-hmm. to go through. It's very just to be to be purposeful mm-hmm. in, in collecting the data. Um, I just, one thing I would suggest anyone who's going to go wants to go through the action research is to do their best to go through the, the data simultaneously if mm-hmm. it's possible. The uh, the metadata portion. But I think mm-hmm. working on those at the same time has been very helpful. And there are strong links between the work we do in our action research group mm-hmm. and the work we're doing with Dr. Abrams in right. the, our data domain. Yeah, we've talked about, um, I, I work with Lisa all the time, and uh, we've talked about trying to combine those into sort of a, a whole uh, a program, a sort of a simultaneous program. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it would be great. I know we did our three mm-hmm. days during the summer. Mm-hmm. And then with Lisa, we, didn't, we did our two full days, but not until January and February. Mm-hmm. If you just, if you could, knock it out in a week in the summertime. Right. You take three, she takes two. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, as a, as a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, once I commit to doing your three days in the summer, that's not a week I'm going on vacation yeah, yeah, with right. my family. So in that mm-hmm. way, I mean, I, I would've, it would've been, I think, very beneficial, Leanne Pullen and I were talking about mm-hmm. this, to have the background in data, particularly the, the earlier sessions, mm-hmm. before we really kind of got into analyzing our data from cycle one. Got it, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, not that it hasn't been helpful, but I think mm-hmm. we've been maximized. Yeah, our our work potential. Yeah, yeah. We'll think about that for future um, future iterations of the program. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. All right.